This is Transmission Interrupted, the podcast series from NeedTech, the National Emerging Special Pathogens Training and Education Center. Welcome to Transmission Interrupted from NeedTech. Hello and welcome to Transmission Interrupted. My name is Jill Morgan. I'm here at Emory University Hospital where I'm a nurse in our biocontainment unit. For those of you not yet familiar with NeTech, our mission is to set the gold standard for special pathogen preparedness and response across healthcare systems in the U.S. with the goals of driving best practices, closing knowledge gaps, and developing innovative resources. NITEC works alongside and in cooperation with the CDC and is funded by ASPR, the Administration for Strategic Preparedness and Response. Today, we're here to talk about HICS for Special Pathogens Preparedness. And so by that, for those of you who are not acronym friendly, we're talking about Hospital Incident Command Systems that help us deal with all kinds of hazards, including special pathogens. I'm really excited to have some special guests from across the country, and I'm going to let them each do their introduction. So I want to start with Ryan Tuckmeyer from Cedars-Sinai. Thank you, Jill. Uh, my name is Ryan Tuckmeyer, and I'm the Director of Emergency Management at Cedars-Sinai Medical Center. In my role here, I help the medical center and part of our health system prepare for all types of emergencies, with special pathogens being one of those key elements. I'm privileged to work with our hospital epidemiology department to co-lead our special pathogens preparedness and also make sure that we're ready to respond to any type of emergency that may occur. And I think in this session, you're going to hear a little bit about how we use the hospital incident command system here and how we provide that education to our staff to make sure that we're ready to respond for whatever comes our way. Thanks, Ryan. Next up is Kaisha Turner from right here at my home facility, Emory University Hospital in Atlanta. Hi, my name is Kaisha Turner, and I am the manager for emergency management, home-based at Emory University Hospital. I also cover emergency management for some of our smaller facilities, including our ortho and spine hospital, our inpatient psychiatric facility, and Emory Rehab Hospital. I've worked in emergency management for five years professionally, but got started in the field eight years ago. I have a master's degree in emergency and disaster management. And previous to this role, I was a director of training and exercises and response for New York City Health and Hospitals. And so we had a director of special pathogens on that team. We had a director of business continuity and a director of strategic planning, and we worked together to create our emergency management team. So I've had a lot of experience with the hospital incident command system, have done a lot of great work here at Emory, reestablishing our incident management teams and teaching incident command system across our healthcare system. Thanks, Kaisha. And last is Daryl Ruby from the West Coast. Daryl, go ahead. Hi, Jill. My name is Daryl Ruby. I've been an emergency manager for almost 20 years working at the local, regional, and for the past eight years in the private sector of healthcare. I've supported the Region 10 Regional Emerging Special Pathogens Treatment Center here at Providence Sacred Heart Medical Center and Children's Hospital in Spokane, Washington, since we were initially designated as a regional center in 2015. Last summer, I transitioned into the role supporting the regional center as what we have identified as the regional coordinator. In my previous role as an emergency manager, I supported our five hospitals, our large nearly 700-bed 
level two trauma center, as well as two critical access hospitals and a specialty hospital. All right. So I'm going to say from the start, y'all sound busy. Makes me tired just to think about. But that is going to help us understand how much this incident command system really does for us, especially when we're talking about special pathogens. So today we're here really to think about special pathogens preparedness as it relates to what y'all might use as systems to handle all sorts of other emergencies. So just for a minute, I'd really like to talk about what maybe the hospital incident command system or HICS is. And uh, I know that we have some new resources out for people. So I'd like to sort of maybe uh, really start with some basics about the all hazards approach, about special pathogens, and about where you guys see the Hicks uh, system sort of contributing. So I want to like open that up and go back to Ryan for a second and just see if, if you want to fill us in from your perspective at your hospital about kind of where this fits into the system as a whole. Well, the hospital incident command system is something that we've been using for years to manage all types of emergencies, both uh, planned events and no-notice events that the medical center needs to respond to. And what's nice about that is it's a system that we've become accustomed to over the years and trained our staff on for many years. What's nice about that for special pathogens is that this is just another one of those hazards as part of our all-hazard preparedness. And what that means is that when we have to activate the emergency system here at the medical center, is that it's very similar to what we would do for any other type of an event, such as a a power outage or maybe a a planned uh, mass gathering in our community. And because of that, we have a lot of practice activating the incident command system on an annual basis. At least we also use the same system for our drills and exercises. And it just leads to that repetition um, and that familiarity among our staff so that they're comfortable using this incident command system when we do have a potential activation for a special pathogens patient. Yeah, that's great. I think it does make so much sense. In many ways, we try not to be sort of singular in our approach, right? I mean, you know, there there are all kinds of trauma. We all call them trauma. I I think that that doesn't necessarily define exactly what a patient's going to look like when they present, but you have an idea of how you're going to approach them. So it sounds to me like this incident command system is sort of a way of managing a bunch of very disparate kinds of challenges and threats. Daryl or Kaisha, um, you know, you guys have these huge hospital systems um, or at least multi-facility systems. What is the Hicks structure and special pathogens like? I guess I, I'm curious. I'm at one hospital. I don't really know what it looks like if a special pathogens patient showed up somewhere else. And I don't know how you kind of navigate the different resources you have at different hospitals and how that fits into like a big HIC structure. So I'll throw that one out to either one of y'all. I'll take that, Jill. So the great thing about HICS is that it's scalable, it's flexible. You can scale up or scale down. You can utilize it for any type of event, any size event. And so getting back to what Ryan said, it's really an incident management structure. And the purpose of it really is so that you can have a standardized way of managing your incident from beginning to end, your planning, your documenting, your incident objectives, and just have that system to be able to manage your particular incident in a way that if you're working with other agencies, Hicks is used everywhere. 
And so you're speaking the same language. You've got interoperable communications. You've got your incident action planning, which kind of lets everyone that's working on that incident know what is the goal, who's doing what, what do we need, how are we going to get it? And you can see the incident from all aspects. And for special pathogens, that's important because a lot of times uh, with those who work in the clinical field, they're looking at it from their scope and their spectrum. But there are so many other things going on behind the scenes in terms of managing that incident that goes beyond just receiving the patient or the process of receiving the patient. So it just gives you a means of looking at that entire picture and being able to manage that incident in an efficient and effective way. Yeah, that sounds perfectly reasonable. I know I get sort of tunnel vision, right? I'm concerned about just my job, my task as a nurse, but I'm not necessarily thinking about what's happening to traffic patterns or do we have enough PPE in the storeroom and and who's answering the calls from the press and all those other questions that I'm grateful to not have to know. Daryl, from your perspective, it sounds like you guys are so well-versed in this, but I know NITEC has some new resources and, and where do you see those things fitting in? Like, why does Hicks matter to the rest of us? You guys are emergency management nerds, no offense, but you are. So how do we move this from just being in your space or, or how do we encourage people to do training and why do they need training? Yeah, I, I'd start with my use and application of Hicks continues to evolve every time we use it and when we train and teach others to use to support the work that we do. Just to add a little bit and maybe say it slightly different to what Ryan and Kaisha did is Hicks is that incident management system that is based on the principles of ICS or the incident command system, which is used by most hospitals and healthcare entities to plan, respond, and recover from both those planned and unplanned events, including special pathogen type events. It is scalable and flexible, and it allows hospitals to manage incidents internally and integrate more easily with first responders who are using the incident command system or ICS, such as fire, law enforcement, EMS, and others when the need arises. I've taught ICS and HICS for the last 10 years and used it to support county, regional, state, and national exercises and response to incidents that range from supporting a type three incident management wildfire team to small and large utility outages, bomb threats, active shooter incidents, as well as our regional center activation in support of four cruise ship patients in February of 2020 that evolved into a HICS activation for the five hospitals that I support and lasted over two years. We used the hospital incident command system when we activated in February of 2020 to support those four cruise ship patients at the request of the federal government. They had tested positive for a novel coronavirus or SARS-CoV-2, now referred to as COVID-19, of course, and those four patients were sent to us under a federal quarantine, escorted by the U.S. Marshals, who then sat in our hospital hallway for two days until the federal quarantine order was lowered to finally a local health officer isolation order. We had trained with the hospital incident command system for both emerging special pathogens response as well as other incidents within our hospitals prior to this activation, which was useful. We had approximately 36 hours before the four patients arrived and we quickly established a meeting schedule, incident objectives, and an incident action plan 
to support the arrival of the four patients while coordinating with a multitude of federal, state, and local public health partners and EMS who would transport the patients from our local airport to our hospital. Fortunately, we had exercised many time with all of the agencies involved prior to this activation. Wow. The thought of having, you know, going from something you plan sort of in the, I guess, abstract to then having marshals bring four patients from a cruise ship, that's, that's a distance, right? That's really interesting to me that we're taking what everybody in healthcare has done as disaster planning and we're going to do a drill. And, and then suddenly it's like, oh, this is real life. This is really happening. We've got to make it like actually put these things into play. That's just just an amazing story, Daryl. I think that's a that's a lot. So now when you guys think about how you do training, how you train within your own facility and why we put this education together, and I shouldn't say we, why you guys put this education piece together, you know, for NeTech is really to share that information, to share what you've been able to kind of find to be helpful. I know that in addition to Daryl having, of course, the cruise ship patients, each of your facilities probably had some pretty extraordinary events that have utilized your Hicks structure. Kaisha or Ryan, you want to talk a little bit about that and like where you see this, where you see the need, I guess? Sure. So a couple of things. One is that oftentimes people don't make the connection between special pathogens and emergency management. I've actually had people say, well, what does emergency management have to do with special pathogens? And not understanding that special pathogens is a hazard and does require an emergency response. And with this particular training program, it really creates a great environment to kind of marry up emergency management and special pathogens. One of the key things with incident command system and, and why it was designed in the first place or, or developed was because of what happened back in 1970. So Daryl actually mentioned something about fire. And in 1970, the California wildfires resulted back then in billions of dollars of property damage. There were injuries, the loss of life. And when they looked at it to kind of determine why did this go so wrong? Why did we have so much damage? Why so much loss of life? And when they drilled down to it, it came down to poor communication, poor management of resources, and just poor incident management as a whole. So one of the things that I do when I'm teaching Hicks is to make sure that people understand the foundation of why this is important. Because how you manage your incident and how you communicate and information that is being given or not given and the resources, how quickly you're able to get those resources, knowing who to ask and where to get that from can really make or break your response. And so we do have an obligation. And the great thing about Hicks is that it creates that structure to account for all of that, to make sure that you've got those that are hoping to manage the incident. Information is, is passing back and forth but between the persons that it's supposed to. Not a perfect system. Even after different events where we use ICS, we've always determined that we can do better, that there are opportunities for improvement. But I could not imagine having to respond and manage an incident without ICS and just the ramifications and the consequences of that. So I think having that understanding really puts it into perspective for anyone. And the great thing about this particular course is that you're getting incident command system training and it's also special pathogen specific. So whether you're 
working in emergency management, taking this course, you can benefit from it. And certainly those working in the special pathogens world who are not as familiar with emergency management can kind of delve into that world. And I kind of call it a marriage. Yeah, I like that. And I like, uh, I know in, in as we prepared for this podcast, you know, you guys were talking about sort of the the culture of emergency management. And, and I think that there's a phrase that I know our public health uses, and I'm sure it's common in, in your business, which is ready or not, they will come. Yeah. You know, whether you think you're likely to get a special pathogens patient or whether you think it's really unlikely, you're going to get something. You're going to get things that challenge your ability to handle them. And I, I think it's fascinating to think about where these, the need or the, the identified need for this kind of communication you know, really goes back to, to human tragedies and, and how that's exactly what we want to prevent, right? We want to do better so that our staff are more prepared and our facilities are more prepared and, and that our patients are better taken care of. Yeah, that's amazing to a bit of history to put that in perspective. Ryan, you know, you're there in LA. The, I can't imagine the myriad emergencies that you end up having to to deal with. Like, from your perspective, is special pathogens just like one on the list of, you know, a kajillion things of, of things that can go wrong in a day? So it is. It is one of many things that, uh, you know, we prepare to respond to. And because there are a kajillion things that we have to ready ourselves for, we can't create custom plans for each and every one of those scenarios and all the little offshoots that will occur with those specific scenarios which is why we have to use the hospital and sync command system as that all hazards approach. And by doing that, it puts us on the right foot when we get the response started. Uh, It helps coordinate our efforts both internally within the hospital itself. And as was mentioned previously by Daryl and Kaisha, we're not going to be doing this alone. We're going to be working with public health. We may be working with law enforcement and others. And they're also using uh, versions of the incident command system that are very similar and interoperable with the hospital incident command system. And by making sure that we're using the hospital version of ICS, we're remaining consistent with the field response plans. We're consistent with the National Incident Management System. And uh, as Kaisha said, it doesn't mean we're doing it perfectly. We're learning each and every time. And I can think from one of our recent drills, we were not being consistent ourselves with some of the standardized terminology within ICS. And in that drill, it was flagged as an item that, hey, it confused our partners in the pre-hospital realm. And so now we've gone back and we've gone back to the incident command system terminology and we are standardizing it once again. And fortunately, that was a drill, but we don't want to create that confusion during a real event. So it really helps us stay consistent with the national guidelines and make sure that uh, also by doing all the documentation and using the resources that come from the incident command system, that it keeps us on the right track and moving forward, whether it's a special pathogens patient or any other type of emergency. And really, it's that consistency and that practice that we get for any emergency that helps us get better prepared for whatever is going to come next. Yeah, thanks for that. And and I, I guess I'm now thinking, you know, you guys have these huge responsibilities at your facilities. It's just amazing to think about what all must cross your desks in a day about things that are happening, whether it's a power outage or a car wreck big enough to challenge your emergency department and all sorts of utility failures and things like that. But I guess when I think about people at smaller facilities all across the country, they may be wearing a lot of different hats, right? The the person who is um, in charge of Hicks might be, I think that the term is like an incident supervisor. And can Daryl maybe just talk for a minute about like how hard that is to juggle 
these roles and what all somebody might be doing while they're doing the rest of their job. Yeah, I really appreciated the example that Keisha gave with the historical perspective. I think that's important for us to keep in mind, as well as the recent example Ryan provided, where they used Hicks to respond to something and realized that even amongst their own facility, they had not been following some practices that are well-established. And that's really how we continuously improve and learn. Hicks is not a training that you take once and then you're an expert and finished with. As I mentioned previously, my use and application of Hicks continues to evolve. Each time we use it and train and teach others to support the work we do. We constantly have staff turnover and leaders move into other roles. And so the importance of frequently conducting Hicks training on an annual and really even more frequent basis and using it for both those planned and unplanned events, both large and small, is really important. And to your question about the smaller hospitals where it's often the same people that are going to be working together, there is only one position that must be filled in the HICS and the ICS structure, and that's the incident commander. Fortunately, for most of us in hospitals and even at clinics, there is usually a designated leader. Um, In hospitals, we will often refer to those as administrative supervisors or house supervisors, and those are really the initial incident commanders. They may, over time, be relieved by someone better qualified and potentially more capable, has additional training. But in healthcare, even the small and the large hospitals, there is usually that designated leader who comes alongside the departments that are impacted and works through those unusual incidents. And more times than not, there isn't much needed to do other than a short huddle and a meeting and informal objectives will be established around life safety and incident stabilization and property preservation. And then we get back to the business of healthcare. And then in those rare incidents where it's more patients than our EDs can handle or it's that special pathogen event, then we activate some additional positions based on the incident complexity and we come up with objectives that support the longer-term incident. Yeah, I, I, over the course of my career as a nurse, I certainly have been so grateful for some just fantastic house supervisors who just always seem to know everything and how they have the minutia right in their head of how can I get an X in the middle of the night or how can I do this? Or, or it's, it's amazing to me and the thought that they're also probably switching their hat over and, and taking care of some of the details um, that you guys have been talking about where you are thinking about, how do I preserve the integrity of my facility? How do I keep this from getting any bigger or worse? And how do I make sure that this doesn't spread or cause damage in some other department or area or wing of the hospital? And it gets really complicated very, very fast. Jill, I wanted to weigh in on something that Daryl talked about One of the things that I do in my training with ICS is I call it demystifying incident command system because, of course, looking at the female IS courses and looking at this, sometimes it can almost appear a little overwhelming. One of the great qualities about HICS is that there are a number of HICS forms that you can populate either on paper or electronically during your incident so you kind of know what to capture. But we also utilize job action sheets. And so even if you are filling a role in the incident command center that has nothing to do with your day-to-day role, as long as you can read and you can follow the objectives on the job action sheet and you can kind of go through and know, okay, I've got to speak to this person and get this information, 
And so it's really designed so that you can kind of expand your team. And so we mentioned about um, what do you do with smaller hospitals who are wearing many hats. And the great thing about the incident command system is you want to think about involving some of those people who you wouldn't traditionally think about being in the incident command center. Because one of the things with Hicks is that there are operational periods, right? So we, we learned during COVID, some incidents can go on for a very long time, but your healthcare workers can only work for so many hours straight before they're going to suffer from fatigue. And so you need to make sure that you've got people that can kind of step into those roles and that there's a transfer of command. I didn't mention it in uh, the introduction, but um, I've worked in emergency management for eight years. And one of the things that I did when I was up in New York working as a director with U.S. City Health and Hospitals, we recognized in 2008 that there was a need and a lack of understanding with Hicks and a, and a lack of comfortability with Hicks. And so we reestablished our incident management teams at all of our hospitals and we brought a vendor in and we actually offered tier training. So we have like an introductory level, basic level, intermediate and advanced level. And we had a course just for executives. But as I believe it was Ryan mentioned that uh, just the, and it may have been Daryl, the importance of not just taking this training one time and that's it, but interacting with it, activating for even small events so that you can practice. These are all things that you can do to become more familiar with incident command systems so that it's not so overwhelming and making sure that you build that team. So as you do have turnover, you know, you've got a couple of people behind that can come and fill those roles. Yeah, that's great. I think all of us are are having to deal with the idea of not enough staff and rapid turnover of staff. And and you know, I'm I'm really sorry for the for the healthcare workers that we've lost over the last few years, either from COVID directly, which was a terrible tragedy, but also just I think a lot of people who reevaluated their careers and thought, I'm not getting paid enough for this, or this is just too much work. And I think you're right, trying to keep some base of knowledge within our facilities of how things work has been a challenge. So for something as complex as Hicks, it seems to me like this would be a, a really a, another big piece that would be important to have some some sort of structure to it that you know who can take over um, in case you're not available 24-7, Kaisha, uh, just in case. So I'm glad you sort of were talking about education. So I think it might be a great time to go into, I know you guys have put together sort of some of the reasons we think people should think about doing the NETEC course on Hicks. So I just wonder if you guys want to go through those um, and kind of summarize some of the reasons you think that getting people to get more engaged and get some education and really pursue this in a more structured way might be beneficial to them and, and be useful to their facility. So whoever wants to start. Go, Ryan. Sure, I'll, I'll start. So uh, not to wave uh, the regulatory stick around, but this is one of the regulatory requirements is that we use an incident command system that's consistent with what our community is using. So for nothing else, our hospitals need to be doing it to make sure that we're complying with some of the regulations. But operationally, it really makes sure that we are ready to respond to either a special pathogens event or any other type of emergency. The hospital incident command system gives us a consistent process for planning, for adapting the incident command structure itself to either a very small incident, as Daryl said, only the incident commander position being activated, or that full-blown disaster activation where you may have dozens of people playing a role in the response. And that doesn't have to be at the exact same time, but it may be an evolution as the situation unfolds, that you have to activate different positions at certain periods of the response, then you can deactivate them when they're no longer needed, and there's always the option to reactivate them. 
And as we see with the special pathogens response, this is something that many facilities are probably not comfortable responding to. And you need that organizational structure in place so that people know how to escalate or elevate their questions to their leadership, how they can get additional resources or specialty departments or specialty advice for caring for that patient. And it's especially important when it's not a scenario that you're used to dealing with. And emergencies are not daily operations by definition. So we always want to have that lifeline, being able to call somebody who's an expert in that certain area to help you out during a response. And the hospital and scene command system creates a structure for how you can elevate those requests and how you can get the resources or the knowledge that you need to care for that patient. I really liked Kaisha's comment about in training, demystifying HICS and ICS. I think that's super important. I think some other reasons that I haven't heard us touch on that I'd like to comment on is HICS is built around those five core management functions. It's the command staff, and that's that incident commander and public information officer and safety officer, the liaison and some medical technical specialist. And then the other functions are operations, planning, logistics, finance, and admin. And this course really covers all five of those functions and identifies key roles within each one of those. I think it's important that the HIC structure includes how to integrate that incident commander and the command staff and general staff roles. It's important to consider how specific roles should be tailored to the needs of each incident, including that special pathogens activation. And I think Kaisha touched on really well the use of the job aids and super important, even if you are a veteran and really familiar with the role you might be filling, the job aids and checklists that are part of HICS and that have been customized by many hospitals are really important to pick up every time we respond and activate and use the incident command system. I do love a good checklist. Give me a job action sheet. Give me a task list. That, that makes me feel so much more comfortable in my role. And Kaisha, you want to wrap up like the, the important parts of this course, and then we'll talk just a few minutes more. So I'll keep my answer very simple uh, in, in terms of why you should utilize ICS and why you should take this training. Um, it works. That's the simple answer. Hospital incident command system works. Just like you would not build your house without a foundation because it wouldn't be very strong. You shouldn't go into a response without utilizing incident command system, or at least some of the principles of incident command system. And simply stated, it works. If you use it how it was designed, it works. I actually am loving that analogy because I think it's also something that many of us don't, in the rest of our lives, right? If you're working in the rest of healthcare, you may not think about it because if it's doing its job, it's almost like your foundation of your house, right? It's this invisible thing you can take for granted as long as it's working right. Now, when things start to crumble, you're like, why is my wall breaking? Or why do I have a crack in my ceiling? Oh, because something isn't right. And yeah, I think that that's really a, a very nice analogy that it's, it is something sort of foundational to a, a good and strong building, and in this case, a, a system. Absolutely. A foundation can stand without a house, but a house cannot stand without a foundation. And ICS is that foundation. You are just full of, of pithy statements today. I love that. I love that. Well, I wanted to just just sort of close this up today because we've been talking a lot about special pathogens, but we really haven't, we've just sort of been letting that term sit out there, right? And I want to ask you, I think there is this tension 
if we have an all-hazard approach, if we already say we're ready for everything, do I really need to add special pathogens? What do special pathogens do for me that, that I don't already have covered? And maybe just quickly, because I know all of you guys are in this business, really have a specialty about special pathogens. I'd love to hear your explanation for why that's important. So Daryl, I want to start with you on that one. All right. Yeah, it really should be part of your all-hazard approach. But what I think I've learned in my almost eight years now supporting this work that just continuously evolves is that special pathogens response really is a niche type area of expertise. And there are some unique requirements, whether it's from supply chain to finance and admin or medical and technical specialists that we really need to identify and utilize and build into our incident command system and our HICS response structure. And so using the HICS structure, taking the training will help a hospital, both small and large, wherever they are in this evolving tiered hospital system of approach, will help that particular hospital or that facility be better prepared for if and when they do have that special pathogens patient that shows up at their door and they have to identify, isolate, and inform and start their response. Thanks. Ryan, you want to weigh in on that one? Absolutely agree with what Daryl said. What's really nice about using the incident command system here and planning ahead for it is that we have some of those key positions like the medical technical specialist bringing somebody from our infection control department and giving us that expert advice that's specific to this scenario. But at the same time, we have that standardized approach. So for example, if we have to isolate that patient using a negative pressure room, we already have our plant operations team on board. They're already doing what they normally do when there's an infectious patient admitted to one of those negative pressure rooms. And so we have these other pieces that are coming into play semi-automatically because we've activated that structure. Everybody's getting the same briefing. They know what they need to do, and they're able to contribute back what they're either they themselves have done or their department has done to help manage either uh, the single patient special pathogens activation or a larger event. And it keeps our efforts coordinated. I will also say that it also helps coordinate with our external partners. So as much as we want to say we've got this, uh, we know exactly what we're going to do, is we're going to be working with others, whether it's moving a patient from another facility to our hospital or doing that external notification with the informing of a public health entity. We need to make sure that message is communicated effectively and in a timely manner to the external entity. And we can also fold that external agency, for example, the public health department, into our own incident command system. They become that liaison from an external agency, and we can coordinate our efforts within this incident command uh, system modality. Yeah, I think those are great points that, that really it's not that this is something different or something that sits outside of an all-hazards approach. It's just that you have some people that you know you can reach out to or tap into that, that are specialists in this area that just sort of help, help complete the all-hazards approach in this particular area. Kaisha, I know here at, here at Emory, our special pathogens unit is in a separate part of the hospital. And, and so I think a lot of people see it as sort of a separated area. But from your perspective, kind of thinking about how it blends in with the rest of your all-hazards approach and, and what happens sort of here on our campus. Absolutely. You know, as Daryl said, it is kind of a, a specialty or a niche. One of the challenging things about special pathogens is that one is that even for just one patient, 
It takes a lot of people, a lot of resources, a lot of pre-planning to get everything in order, as we learned with our most recent uh, exercise in our uh, special communicable disease unit. And so understanding that there are so many things that could go wrong, so many people that can be impacted, a special pathogen can affect so many people. And understanding also that Hicks really, if you drill down to some of the gaps and some of the things that didn't quite go right, this phone call didn't get made, or why didn't this person get notified? You can almost certainly attribute it back to some component of Hicks that had it been utilized could have potentially met that need or filled that gap. And speaking of gaps, I think it's important to continue to bridge the gap between emergency management and special pathogens because I see them as one of the same. A special pathogens incident is an emergency and we would treat it like any other emergency. And so just taking that opportunity through training to educate and to give the clinical teams and those involved in in, uh, infectious diseases, special pathogens, an opportunity to kind of understand where they fit into emergency management and where emergency management fits into their world. Well, I like that. I like that idea. It also makes me feel like as a bedside clinician that there are a whole lot of people that have my back and that are making sure I've got the stuff I need, which is really, I think, in some ways, a, a great way of reducing the, the, the buzzwords of the day about cognitive burden and emotional burden of, of healthcare providers. It's like, oh, I don't have to do that. Kaisha has that handled. I don't have to think about those things. Someone else is taking care of it. I, I love that. I mean, I think that that's, to me, a really, uh, it's, a, it's a win-win. As we wrap up, I want to give you guys an opportunity if there's something else you'd really like to to say uh, or to get across to folks as we finish up this podcast today. One thought that came to my mind is all three of us are part of a national emergency management work group that is supported by all 13 of the regional centers. And I'm really excited both personally for my own hospital, but as well as for all of us to be working on our next project which is an incident response guide for special pathogens. So just like Kaisha had talked about, the use of job aids and checklists is an essential part of the HICS system and the toolkit that we currently have. And we're going to be developing a special pathogens incident response guide. So please be looking for that in the near future. I love that ad. Feel free to plug that all you want, Daryl. I think that's really good. And and I think that's another thing that that hopefully as we talk about NETEC making resources, you know, we have we have tools. We have but we have the HCP compliant Oh, it's the um, Homeland Security Exercise Evaluation Program. It's something that I've actually implemented into our emergency management program at Emory because we weren't utilizing it prior to my starting here. And it's great. It's all templated. So we're starting to utilize our exercise evaluation guides and our exercises, develop our after action reports. These are templated documents that basically it's like a plug and play. You just kind of plug in the information for what exercise you're looking to evaluate, what exercise you're looking to plan. There's a planning document. And so it's just a really great way to document historically what you've done And I see it as a living record. I always say once we all win the lottery and we're no longer where we are and someone else comes behind, they will have a great historical record and a picture of what we did, what worked, what didn't work, and what were some suggestions and planning considerations for the future. And I want to say for facilities that are not 
using the hospital instant command system yet. This is stealing Kaisha's term. This really is the foundation, not just for special pathogens, but for all emergency management. So the more familiar you can become with using the tools that are readily available, we don't have to reinvent the wheel here and create our own emergency plans. There is a foundation out there. There are templates that we can build off of. And so this course really helps describe some of those materials that are available, whether it's an incident response guide or a job action sheet, or even how to fill out some of the forms like the incident action plan. That will help you lay a a good foundation for a special pathogens response or any other emergency and make sure that you're following best practices and uh, lessons learned that we've all had to learn from prior events, but you know, at at least it sets you up for success. Yeah, everybody shouldn't have to learn the hard way, right? Absolutely. Jill, I just thought about something. Think about how difficult it would be to play a game like Monopoly if you didn't get that $2,000 in the beginning and no one kind of told you the rules. You know, after you go through a couple of rounds, little by little, you would kind of figure it out. But it, it's you would almost feel like you're stumbling through the dark and no one wants to be pulled into a response and feel like a fish out of water that they don't know what to do. So that's the great thing about this course. And again, it's not like you're going to take this one course and know everything, but you're going to be much more prepared, much more comfortable in your role and just better equipped to be able to manage that incident with confidence and understanding that you're doing everything as best you can, as efficient as you can, as coordinated as you can. Excellent. Daryl? Yeah. It's that investment in your preparedness wallet. Ryan touched on the regulatory piece, and Hicks is a great foundation to both meet that and be better prepared to respond. Aisha touched on the uh, HSEEP, that Homeland Security Exercise Evaluation Program Toolkit. There are a number of NETEC resources that we talk about in the Hicks course. One of them is the Mystery Patient Toolkit, and there is drills and tools to help frontline hospitals as well as regional centers to integrate and use the HICS tools and processes and be better prepared to handle those special pathogens events. Well, thank you guys so much. We will have these resource links in the podcast notes so that people will be able to find some of those tools. I think that the mystery patient drill is always one of my favorites because I think it really does give you a lot of information in a quick win kind of situation, even if you do a mystery patient drill and realize you've got a lot of things to do. At least you now have a list to go off, go from. I want to thank you guys so much. I think that for some of us outside emergency management, we make assumptions that these things are just going to run smoothly. We hope they will. We cross our fingers. But I really like knowing that the three of y'all and an awful lot of your partners across the country are building these foundations and really making sure that we have a solid structure to stand on when when these things happen. And I I will reiterate again, whether you're ready or not, something's going to happen that's going to make you wish you had good plans in place. And this is a great first step, I think, for for getting your feet wet into this uh, into this way of looking at things and structuring this. And if you're already somebody who's involved in emergency management, then I think that this will really help you feel like you've got the special pathogens piece as one that you feel more comfortable integrating into the rest of your plans. So I want to thank the guests today. Such a such a pleasure to have folks from all across the country. So Kaisha Turner from right here in Atlanta, my hometown, Daryl Ruby from out in Spokane, Washington, and Ryan Tuckmeyer from Cedar sinai in Los Angeles. So thank you guys so much. Really appreciate you being here today. 
Thank you, Jill. Thanks, Joe. Thank you, Joe. Yeah. All right. So for those of you listening at home, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode on Hicks for Special Pathogen Preparedness. We hope you'll join us for future episodes on a wide range of topics from healthcare worker safety to personal protective equipment, my personal favorite, and even more about infectious diseases of all kinds. If you have any questions for NeTech or ideas for future shows, please feel free to contact us at info at you can find us on the web at netech.org backslash podcast. That's N-E-T-E-C dot org backslash podcast. And you can also subscribe there to future episodes and find out a lot more about today's topic. And again, in the podcast notes, we'll make sure we drop in links to some of the resources that our experts today shared with us. So thank you guys so much. And we'll see you next time on Transmission Interrupted. You've been listening to Transmission Interrupted, the podcast series from NeTech, the National Emerging Special Pathogens Training and Education Center. Learn more at NeTech.org.